0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories Podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and today I have another great program for you. It's I'm talking with Scott Mills, a grandson of James T. Jeremiah, about marketing Christian movies. Scott is the CEO of Engage Media Partners in Nashville, Tennessee, and a 1992 graduate of Cedarville University. He has directed the marketing of several well-known Christian movies, including Courageous, I Can Only Imagine, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and the most recent movie, Journey to Bethlehem. I'm sure you will enjoy today's program with Scott, so let's go to my conversation with Scott Mills today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. I know recently I heard that you were on campus uh, talking with some students. Uh, What was that all about? And uh, tell us about what uh, you
1: experienced when you came back to campus. Absolutely. Thanks, Mark, for having me. And uh, yeah, I was at Cedarville just a few weeks ago. Uh, I work in, in movies, and we had a movie called Journey to Bethlehem, Christmas movie that was coming out at the time. And we did a screening on campus for students. Okay. And so uh, it was great to come back. I hadn't been back in a while, but uh, it was great to be back there and to share this movie. We had a good crowd. Several hundred students came out to watch the movie. And enjoyed it and then got to talk to some of the uh, media students a little bit longer afterwards. The whole Christian movie world and my time at Cedarville and how it prepared me for the world outside of Cedarville. Yeah, But uh, it was great to come back and and to share this movie with with uh, with the students at Cedarville.
0: So I'm interested, when you came back, you, you're so right that uh, if you haven't been back on campus recently, I mean, the whole campus seems to change. What
1: stood out to you when you... Step foot back on campus after um, being away for a while. Well, it was amazing how excited people were about the food choices on campus. So <laughs> um,
0: better than when you were in school, right?
1: <laughs> well, definitely different options. We didn't have anything like there is today for sure. And it's funny, I'm from the South, right? I'm from Nashville. And so we have Chick-fil-A everywhere. Well, that's the that's a new treat for the folks at Cedarville. And so I actually went and ate a Chick-fil-A when I was there with some of my friends who who are on staff there. But that was a great experience, but it always seems to be a new building being built and just incredible changes for some of the majors there where now they get a new building and they get new resources and tools to use. And right. and uh, it's exciting to see that.
0: So I mentioned, Scott, in, in the introduction that you are the grandson of James T. Jeremiah, which also means that you're the nephew of Dr. David Jeremiah, two leaders with strong connections to Cedarville University, to, even to this day. How did your grandfather uh, shape you or help to shape you? Into the person
1: you are today. Well, that, that that could take the rest of our podcast probably here, but uh, I'm sure it could. I uh, I was blessed and honored to. Even when I was at Cedarville, I lived with my grandfather, so I didn't live on campus. I lived with him in uh, a double wide. I was at Cedarville for three years only, and um, I lived with him there, and so I got to. We were roommates, <laughs> and so um, we I enjoyed. A lot of trips to Bob Evans. He was a big Bob Evans fan. And uh, a lot of incredible conversation just with my grandfather. Sure. You know, I got to watch what he was really like. And even though at that point he was kind of an ornery old man, he was still uh, just incredible heart for Jesus. And I remember one one night I walked in from doing something at school. And I looked looked in the living room and there he was on his knees praying just there in the living room. Nobody around, nobody to watch. And so I got to see those types of things, which obviously made me a little even emotional thinking about yeah, my grandfather. But to see the real man uh, that he was and how much he loves students, like he constantly told stories of students in years, you know, from decades, you know, he he, he remembers somebody or some story and he would share that with me and just how proud he was of students and how proud, you know, things they have accomplished and to how they, you know, changed the world literally. And so he was always just so proud of, of that. And I got to just, you know, as a 20 something year old guy at the time, be able to be around that was incredible shape, shaping me of, you know, the kind of person I want to be, yeah. you know, the, the following, you know, following that, that example, not everybody gets that example. I got to watch it firsthand front row seat to see a man like James T. Jeremiah live. And so uh, that was a huge blessing. And as the years go by, I mean, it's been a long time ago, that still, as you can tell, resonates with me. So, you know, while I was there in Cedarville living with my grandfather, it was a time when my grandmother uh, was experiencing Alzheimer's and was in the nursing home over in Dayton, Ohio. And so I got to watch my grandfather love her in that very difficult season, you know, I'd go over there with him uh, many times. We'd take the track over to Dayton to see my grandmother while she was over there. It was a real treasure just to watch him I love her in, in that season. And a great example still, even even today, as I look back on that, uh, having that front row seat with, with that experience. Yeah, when I hear you say
0: that, you know, my mind goes to, while you were being educated or becoming book smart, you were becoming life smart by watching your grandfather, just how he lived his life. And that is, you know, as you said, is carried over into to how you are trying to live as well. Is that fair?
1: It's very fair. And I think when I when I was that age, you know, way back then, I probably didn't even at that time appreciate it right? like I do today, right? Like it happened, it was in my mind, and I experienced it, and I was in, probably in awe a little bit of that. But even today, as a much older person, I look back on those experiences even with greater fondness you know, that I got to experience that. During... Those years when you were a high
0: school student, did you feel any pressure to come to Cedarville because of the influence of your
1: grandparents? You know, I didn't. I had two older sisters that did not come to Cedarville and other cousins and things. I think I might have been the first grandchild to come to Cedarville. But my first year after high school, I went to Word of Life Bible Institute. So I spent my first year of college there. But my my dream and my desire was to get into broadcasting. And so Cedarville had a good program. The, the other part of my grandfather being there and my history in Cedarville, I've been coming to Cedarville, Ohio, since I was a little kid, every Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we were always at the homecoming parade, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I was around, I knew it, felt comfortable with it. But just, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit and God, you know, God just sent me to Cedarville. It had nothing to do really with the fact my grandfather was there with the other colleges besides Cedarville, and just felt like that's where I was supposed to be. And so... I had no pressure, no pressure to come, and no pressure not to come. So it was just where I was supposed to be for for that time in life.
0: So when I was researching your story, Scott, uh proverbs sixteen nine came to mind where it says, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. I suspect as a mean? college student majoring in broadcasting. you envisioned your career being really successful in radio. You're going you were a broadcasting major, you wanted to get into radio. How did your plans change with God's plans?
1: um broadcasting was a was uh, my major and it's what I wanted to do my dad had also uh, had been a pastor but he got into broadcasting with a network out of North Carolina and it took him to Nashville uh that's where he went to manage a radio station and after college I went and worked at a radio station just up the road in Springfield um and still lived in Cedarville with my grandfather but um being around Cedarville and connected still with people there is how I got from there to Nashville and when I was a student in Cedarville, I hosted concerts and worked for the campus activities area right. uh, for special events. And Dick Walker uh, became a, a good friend, and mentor in those days. And it was through that connection that he heard from a guy in Nashville looking for some help. And it was an artist named Steve Green, yeah. who you may may or may not be familiar with. Oh, yeah. Dick recommended myself to this new this position they were looking for. And, and just through the orchestration of how God works, my, my parents had just moved to Nashville. So God orchestrated our lives to reconnect in Nashville. So I ended up moving to Nashville to work for Steve Green. And even while there, I still worked at a radio station in Nashville, still pursuing radio. I guess God then continued to morph and change my heart and guide me in a direction towards marketing. And he ended up taking me from all of that, the Christian radio station I was at, Steve Green, to the record label that Steve was part of, and that began then the journey of getting into marketing and promotion of Christian entertainment, so to speak. And so it all just sort of happened, um, and and radio sort of was in the rearview mirror now. And now marketing and, and doing things for the faith market uh, came into play, and uh, that's just how that all happened. But it really happened because of obedience and being in a place and around people. Uh, they made the connections, and those people were at Cedarville that made all that begin, and then you know it's just been been forward from there in that regard. You were
0: working at Way FM at that point. Uh, you were also at the, right. sa- at the same time you were uh, Steve Green's concert promoter, and then 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 obviously Capital Music Group. What lessons did you learn from all those opportunities that have been really influential in you becoming a marketer of Christian movies?
1: Biggest things have been just relationships where what I do today was never part of the plan right it was never like one day I'm going to promote movies these be Christian movies because there's going to be a lot of them you know you know 10 years ago there weren't a lot of them right and uh, it was really not an industry um outside of you know just the main movie world it's it's interesting that a lot of people in in Christian movie world today come from Christian music world you know uh let le- you know, lessons I learned are are simply to to follow Jesus wherever he takes you and to listen to him, because really our, our, our job isn't to formulate our own dreams and our own goals, it's to listen to what he wants us to do, to follow his lead, to go where he guides us to go. And we can have dreams, and well, we hope those dreams are from him. We hope those dreams come to us and, and guide us, because that's what he's guiding us to do. And I can certainly see that in my life, where he has orchestrated things that I could never make up. I could never make these things happen myself. They had to be by his hand mm-hmm. and his, his leading and his Holy Spirit being involved in our lives every day. What I do today in, uh, is simply because that's where God has directed my life to be. And along the way, he has taught me things, whether it's you know book smarts or just understanding things, how they work. I when I left Cedarville, I didn't have a marketing degree. I still don't have one. I just have a, a life lessons that have taught me and I've learned along the way how to do the things that we do. And you continue to learn, right? It never ends, uh, Mark. As you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, you probably learned a lot in your in, in your life too, even about social media and how to, how to use the stuff you're doing now, podcasting, and right, It's stuff we didn't you didn't know ten years ago. But here, here you are, uh, doing all this great stuff, and and it's the same for me. Like I didn't plan it, but but God orchestrates it, and He gives us the knowledge and the things we need through His ways, um, not our own ways. I don't know what's next. I don't know where he's leading next. Just keep doing what we're obedient to do now and, and see where that goes. The importance of relationships. I mean, relationships are are vital
0: in our, our in our world. And really, that's what we need to. We need to develop these relationships for no other reason than to share the good news of Jesus with people. It seems like you were at the right place at the right time. You got your break with Christian movies with the movie Courageous. What What were the circumstances that took you in this
1: direction professionally and 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 how did you market courageous so i was at lifeway doing another job uh completely unrelated and um uh, the movie if you remember the movie fireproof before they came out before courageous sure. uh had a book in it uh, called the love dare and uh, lifeway published that book i was at lifeway christian resources and they they saw how that book i mean it was it became the number one best-selling book at lifeway in history they saw the power of the movie uh, impacting people's uh, personal lives and how they get into God's word and how it impacts their, you know, their, everything outside the movie, just when the movie happens, it's a catalyst to life change. When uh, courageous was coming out, I was, I was there and they're based on the fireproof experience. So like, we've got to really get behind this movie. We need somebody internally to connect all the dots here within our, our lifeway world. And so they just identified me as that person. So they took me out of my job And for a year, they made me the Courageous Guy, which is a great title, by the way, uh, to have. Yeah, it is. And so LifeWay, my job was just to connect all the LifeWay world to the movie Courageous and how we were going about it. We had stores and, you know, obviously engaged churches. And so uh, that's how that happened with Courageous. And then after Courageous came out, LifeWay launched a new division called LifeWay Films. Okay. And then that's what I transitioned to run. And so that's how that went from courageous into the film world
0: when you're when you're promoting or marketing a a blockbuster movie, or actually any movie what are some of the uh, strategies and tactics that you like to employ that really
1: work these things change constantly okay. so like what we did on courageous 10 years ago or I guess 12 13 years ago we completely do something different today but back then we did direct mail and we did you know uh, um, We still do some of this, but we did really big uh, simulcast video, uh, video, live video events. Back then, those were very unique to do. Today, they happen uh, every day in our world of of just live video uh, webinar type things. But back then, it was a hot thing because nobody was doing it. So we did those things. We did tons of uh, in-person screenings and uh, pastor get-togethers, and we had all kinds of people supporting the effort like at lifeway, we had twenty guys on the road, and so we'd arm them with video and different tools to go out as they talked to churches one on one and just a, a myriad of things through the lifeway channels, the magazines that we had, and really, at that time, social media was just uh, something brand new really, and so even at, at lifeway, having new social media channels and things uh, begin to tap into those le- learning what that even how that even worked, we didn't really see the power of that until. A couple movies later that we worked on, we really saw the power of social media take off. But those are some of the tactics we did. And a lot of it was just as much awareness and and pressing into existing channels where we could drop Courageous and we even, you know, Lifeway did um, Sunday school materials, right? So every weekend, a a leader was opening a physical book with the Bible study in it for the Sunday school class. We put the poster in all those books that went out to all the churches. And so um, there was like, you know, 70,000 churches that got a book that had a poster in it, you know, those types of things. Our job is primarily audience engagement. So we deal with churches and schools and any type of audience that might be interested in this movie. And we've dealt with all kinds of different groups that we try to engage around the film. So um, that's, how, that's how it was on Courageous. And then today, it really dials more into how audiences want to receive information yeah. And then that's how we we dial into those things okay. to put the movie in front of those people, to get them to make a decision, to learn about the film, to make a decision to go buy a ticket.
0: What are you seeing right now? Are those ways that the, that the listener wants to be engaged
1: with? I mean, digital media is by far the most engaging and used tool, but even that is so so vast and how that works. You know, it's not, Hey, we just gotta post it on Facebook, and everybody comes. Yeah. I mean, there's multiple channels. There's different ways for things like TikTok, and people engage there, a video can 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 be really powerful there. Of course, Instagram, Facebook—they're all different in how they work, but but they're all very important for the audience engagement because that's where that's where we all live. We're all living on those platforms. Uh, we've even done some LinkedIn, different things through there. So. A lot of effort for a movie campaign is through digital but we still do in-person screenings for journey to bethlehem we did well over 100 you know, screenings of the movie to let audiences see it and then take it out to their world to, to help us to share about it um, we do that a lot of times with other movies too where we'll send screener links to influencers uh, obviously influencers can also increase your social media awareness because the influencer generally has large audiences and so we try to tap those as much as we can. So a lot of it is having enough time to on a, on a movie campaign to make those things begin yeah. to happen. Because they don't just happen. No. It takes a lot of time to prepare those things to right. move. Right. But we still do some of those traditional things. Obviously, publicity and PR is a huge part of it. Like if you can get on, you know, Good Morning America or Fox and Friends, then you've hit a large audience, that's uh, a huge, um, huge part of it, you know, because when you get publicity, you get, you know, really it's, it's in a sense free media, Right. Uh, getting an interview place on something. Yeah. And that's a huge, you get billions and billions of impressions that way. So that's a huge part of it for us. And what we exa- do exactly, it's literally uh, grassroots talking to churches to try to get them to see the movie as a ministry tool they can use for their congregation and community. And there's all kinds of tactics that take place to do that. How... F-
0: far in advance of the release of the movie do you have to work to really get that communicated to whoever you want to communicate it with
1: well we've had we've had as long as a year to do that and we've had as little as a month to do that so it depends on the movie and what they're doing like we just worked on a movie called The Shift that just came out in December and we had 5 weeks to work on that one so not very long it all, it all depends on the the whole picture not just our part but you know how much what else is going on because even what we do when we talk to churches and, and organizations, the more they know about the movie before we talk to them, the better it is. And all the yeah. rest of the marketing informs them of what's happening. So a movie like The Ship, had a, a lot of publicity, a lot of news, a lot of advertising. It's on social media everywhere. So people knew about it. So it made it a little easier. But when we have a year to work on something that really makes an impact on getting the crowds engaged, Getting, getting the church to really adopt it as a program. You know, we're going to go all go to the movie and do a Bible study and all that stuff around it. Like, time allows that to happen versus awareness that only happens in a short time.
0: In an interview that you did with a student in the Cedarville Public Relations Department, you mentioned that our culture is embarking on a new wave of Christian movies, like I Can Only Imagine, or your most recent movie, The Journey to Bethlehem. What do you mean by a new
1: wave? Where we were 15 years ago, where we are today is vastly different. I mean, this year, we had 47 movies in theaters that were faith-driven, which is by far the greatest number we've ever had. I think that before this year, it was maybe 2018, had 33 movies, and this year, 47. What's happened over the years is that early on, people were getting inspired to make content. Young kids, you know, teenagers were... We're we're seeing these movies, and we are like, man, I, so I can make a movie. Like, this is something I can do with my with my faith lens, you know. And what we're seeing now is a result of that. So now there's tons of content coming out um, that is faith driven, and the, what how how awesome is that in our culture today to see this kind of content come out that is God honoring and faith affirming, and uh, can can really make an impact on people. And not only are we seeing number of movies, but this year over 4% of the total box office was Christian content. And that's one of the highest percentages that's been faith driven. And so we want to see that go up. Of course, the more we can do the better, but we're on track to see, yeah, to see that happen. And the reason is there's better content that people want to see. The Christian movies, you know, has struggled for many years to be relevant just in how, how, how good they were, how well they were made. And how realistic they were versus a forced story to try to force some things in there to make it Christian. And I think we're telling real stories of real people. Yeah. And when we tell real stories, then there's nothing you have to force into it. The story of what Jesus has done in our lives is real. We don't have to embellish it. We just have to tell it. Yeah. Because that's exactly what makes an impact, is telling that story just how Jesus did it in our lives. And I think that's what we're seeing in this new wave is we're seeing that type of authenticity in movies that reflect real life. It's not forced, it's not made up. It's not, we're trying to make it Christian. These are Christian stories, stories that God did something. And the more we can do that, the better it will be. And I think that's the new way we're seeing is authenticity in the movies and high quality, much higher quality production.
0: I want to take us back uh, decades uh, because as a much younger person, I grew up believing movies were prohibited. You know, it, it wasn't something... A Christian should be attending, except for maybe any Billy Graham uh, movies. How are today's Christian movies able to engage believers and unbelievers in a way that wasn't seen decades ago? What's what's taking place?
1: Yeah, it's funny, Mark, because I I remember a similar upbringing where I wasn't allowed to go to movies, uh, which was interesting, uh, even with my own parents. Uh, when I started working in films, uh, because they, you know, even they even they changed over the years and remember going to see a few few different movies with my parents who who were very adamantly against them back in the day. I think cultures changed a lot. You know, when I was growing up, it was, you didn't go to movies because it supported Hollywood. Right. Like that was a big part of it. Hollywood made bad things. Even early on with Christian films, it was a message of, we got to beat Hollywood. Like that was the message, you know. And, uh, but where, where it's at today is we don't want to beat Hollywood. We want to redeem Hollywood. We want people in places that can impact the people that are part of Hollywood uh, with the gospel. We want to be a positive influence, not where we boycott. We boycott to make an impact, you know, uh, but rather we want to have a relationship because relationship is what leads to life change. You know, they can see us, how we operate, how we do business, all the different parts of it and be inspired by the the reality of we do what we do because we love Jesus. Yeah. People that support Christian movies don't doesn't mean they're supporting the system of Hollywood. What they're seeing are stories that reflect their life. And so when you see a movie or hear of a movie that reflects your life and what you believe that it's easier for you to get behind that and allow your kids or your families to see those things because, you know, just like parables in the Bible, Jesus used story to teach us things. And that's not that different from Christian movies today where they they're all intended to teach us something. You know, we go, we go watch movies, we get entertained from any type of movie. We love it. We get it. We feel good. We get enter, entertained. We leave and we're done. The movie's over. A lot of Christian movies, you walk out with some sort of action. Like, what do I need to do in my life? Mm. What do I need to change? How do I need to treat my wife better or my kids? Or, man, I got to get in the word. Those are things that happen with Christian movies. They lead us to something else. And I think part of, that's part of the reason people have become more accepting of going to the theater and engaging in these movies is because of the, you know, those reasons. We begin to make content that's appealing to to people of faith. And uh, we've created that genre, new genre of film. And even within our genre of Christian movies, there's now science fiction and there's westerns and there's all kinds of different mus- musicals like Journey to Bethlehem different genres within the genre beginning to happen, which is a whole new, new step coming down the road here is what we begin to see is different genres within the genre.
0: I wonder if you think this is a true statement that a well-done Christian movie is an extension of the church of uh, discipleship and helping people grow in their faith. That's not, a, that's not too big of a stretch?
1: No, not at all. In fact, I think some filmmakers, like the Kendrick brothers, is a perfect example Um, when they're making their movie, they're writing the Bible study. Like, it's not like they'd make the movie and then go write the Bible study. Like, it's literally at the same time because it matters to them how people take this movie and take the next step of a a small group study and discipleship. In fact, their next movie is called The Forge, comes out later in 2024, and it's all about discipleship. The movie follows a group of, of, of a small group of men and you begin to see that. So, like, they actually portray that in the movie. But that's exactly why a lot of filmmakers make their film. They even have a, a specific part of our faith involved, like prayer or marriage or, you know, identity, who we are in Christ, different themes in the movie that, to drive us towards digging in more with that particular area of our life. And so I, I, totally, I totally believe that discipleship and Christian movies go hand in hand. And the more you can make the connection as a filmmaker, the, the more engaged your film will be Yeah, because that's what we as believers are looking for. We want to be entertained. Nobody goes to a movie not expecting to be entertained, but when we can walk out of there with what you just talked about, some kind of draw towards the word of God and towards something in our life, the, the, the more impactful that is. What do you
0: enjoy most about the work you are doing with marketing Christian movies.
1: I love it. I, I absolutely love what I do, and and I love seeing people discover the movies. I love it when an influencer gets excited about a movie and we're able to connect with those folks that can make an impact for the movie. Uh, I love seeing people respond when they see it, like when I get to do an advanced screening like we did at Cedarville. I love the response, you know, which is usually pretty good in the moment that people see in the movie, you kind of capture that raw emotion of, of how the movie impacted them, uh, usually in a positive way. When you see what you do make a difference, uh, that's such a big win for us and what drives hopefully all of us to do what we do, whatever that is, you know?
0: Yeah. If we're just doing our job to do a job and there's nothing redeeming of it, it's really empty and shallow. So I I, I agree agree with you there. So what kind of advice would you give today's college students about preparing for their lives after they graduate?
1: Well, man, it's a hard, it can be a tough season. You know, like I I remember when I graduated Cedarville, you know, I didn't fully know what was coming next, you know, and that can be a scary time after you've spent um, years in the classroom and a lot of money to get an education to know what to do next. And I think for me, what it was, was we said this a few times on the, on the, on the interview today is relationships. Yeah. And I would say as a college student, begin to make relationships in your world that you want to go into before you graduate. People are very open and have a great affinity to college students. Like if you're a student and you, if you have a question for somebody, they'll probably answer you because you're a college student. They may not answer you when you're not a college student. (laughs) Right. right? So take advantage of being one and and, get open doors because people want to help. The next generation, and so I think, don't be afraid to if you find somebody on LinkedIn or something to reach out to them, tell them you're a college student, and they'll probably answer you. And that's a great way to open doors and build relationships. If you're a film, like I'm, my world coming from movies now, you know every, every major has its own world. In my world, is go to film festivals, go to where leaders are, where producers are, directors are, and begin to engage them. And uh, they're just people like all of us. We're all just human beings on this journey, and they want to help others. And if they don't, find the next guy, because somebody you'll come along will, no matter what major or area you're going into, I think we all want to lend a hand. And so when there's opportunities, uh, take advantage of those opportunities, even as a college student. Don't wait to get out of college and then do that. Do it now. And find ways to do it now.
0: Yeah, and that's that's great advice. And I think that's one thing that we do really well here at Cedarville University through our career services department is helping students identify relationships and how to build relationships with potential employers or just people. It doesn't really matter if they're going to hire you because you never know where a relationship will go. It's like water. It'll flow and you just need to be obedient and follow.
1: And I, and I get all kinds of messages from from students now that I was just at Cedarville. I probably heard from four or five different students about their world. And even even other um, people I graduated with are kind of trying to connect me to the students they know. Yeah. Um, there's been uh, career services and people at Cedarville who have reached out about uh, people down here on internships and things. So, like, it is a network. It's a family. And, and we need to, uh, you know, tap into that, but also for all of us alumni out here to to continue to be available and helpful to students.
0: Got our time is up. I, I want to thank you for joining me for our listeners. Uh, if you're interested in a career in broadcasting communication or something related, even public relations, I encourage you to to go to the Cedarville website, cedarville.edu and, and check us out because there are great opportunities right here at Cedarville where you can learn from the, the best faculty, from a Christian perspective. So I encourage you to visit cedarville.edu and check us out. I want to bring this whole conversation full circle because uh, you come from a pedigree that is loved at Cedarville. The Jeremiah family is loved here at Cedarville. What brings you the greatest satisfaction in your ministry and your ability to continue the Jeremiah legacy in Christian movies?
1: I'm extremely blessed to, to have a legacy. We all have a legacy. They're not always, no matter what your story is, you know, they they vary from how how great they are, how much how much Jesus is in your legacy, your family history. Mine is very strong, and I know that my grandfather prayed for generations after him to follow Jesus. And so, uh, what I what I see today as I get older is is how important that legacy is. As uh, I have my own kids, and they they are following Christ, and I I see that that starts with a legacy. That I have, but the, you know, ahead of me from my my dad's side of the family and my mom's side of the family. Yeah, and it, it implores me to continue that legacy because uh, you know culture is changing, the world is changing. It's crazy out there. Our, our legacy of faith is is something that's been passed on for 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 generations, and it only stays alive if we continue to build into that legacy and our our own kids and our own families. And pray and pray for our families that God will continue to, to bless generations that come to follow him. And so I see that in my legacy of, of my grandfather, my uncles, my mom, my dad, and um, I'm blessed, so blessed to have had that. When I come back to Cedarville, everywhere I go is a memory. Yeah. Like, we're just taking that road, which most people, it's just transportation, but there are places I past Central State, I got stories. When I passed a park on the side of the road, I remember where my dad, my dad told me he, he asked my mom to marry him. Uh-huh. Like, there's all these different spots along the way. And I never come back to Cedarville without driving by every place I lived, driving by where my grandparents lived. Like, it's just a treasure. It's, a, it's an emotional journey every time. which You can tell now just by my voice. Right. Shaking, all this stuff gets to me and thankful for it uh, because it's really at the core of everything. And so when I get to work and in, in Christian movies, that's that's just what God where God put me on the in the Jeremiah journey. I hope that um, wherever my kids choose to go that God they would certainly follow Jesus and and also take whatever God takes them to take that Jeremiah legacy on. Yeah. Which is simply taking Jesus to people and representing Jesus in whatever we do. And so that's a huge blessing and I'm thankful for that for sure, Mark. I really enjoyed my time
0: talking with you. Thanks for sharing your Jeremiah journey with our listeners and just being faithful to Jesus and uh, in the role that you're doing with promoting Christian movies. I look forward to seeing some of those in the coming days, coming months, and years. So, God, thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks, Mark. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.